Good morning, church. Good to see so many smiling faces. Good to see so many of you this morning. If this is your home, if this is your normal church, then a warm welcome to you, obviously. If this isn't and it's your first time this morning, then can I give you a special welcome as well? Tell you that we're really pleased you've made it this morning and we really hope you're going to get something very special from this meeting. Um, yeah, Vicky's already mentioned that today, over the two services, we're going to be talking about a massive, massive issue, a massive problem in society and in people's lives. This has been a, a huge talking point in the press. It's been a massive talking point in, uh, in homes and, and so forth. And the issue we're going to be talking about today is mental health. Mental health. How does God treat mental health? What does he say about it? What advice does he give us? What, what is there? Is there anything that God can give us that can help us with our mental health and help us to be happy? Because really the bottom line I would suggest is that when you're suffering, if you're saying, well, I'm suffering or I've suffered from mental health problems, then probably one of the key factors would be depression. One of the key markers, one of the key uh, points that we talk about with mental health is when there's depression. Now that might be clinical depression, it might be a depression that you're just suffering from that you never really go and get any help from, it might be that you've been to your doctor and you've had antidepressants or you've had other forms of help, it might be that you've gone to chat to people or to seek help from friends or whatever, but whatever it is, it is a problem. It is a problem. And I want to tell you this morning, I'm going to make a bold statement this morning. I want to tell you how you can deal with any anxiety, fear or depression and deal with it completely. Now, some of you in here might be saying, well, that's a bold statement to make. I'm not even sure that he should be saying that. I'm not even sure that's something that should be, someone should be standing up there and saying that any fear, anxiety or depression can be overcome. But here's the thing, I believe that. And here's the other thing, you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know what you don't know, then how do you know? You see, we don't know everything. We don't have all the facts but God does, and he has advice on every single circumstance and every single situation. And I want to give you some hope. I want to give you some advice this morning that, that has helped me personally. Listen, Jesus said this. He said, we can do all things. All things are possible to him who believes. He was talking to a man whose son was, was, was really suffering with illness, not just mental illness, but physical illness. And Jesus said to me, he said, all things are possible to him who believes. The man's response was, he said, Lord, he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus did. In another place, Jesus said, he said, oh, well, the word says, the Bible tells us, inspired by Jesus, it tells us that we can do all things all things through Christ who strengthens us. So anything is possible and everything is possible. Whatever demon, whatever problem, whatever anxiety, whatever fear, whatever depression you're facing this morning, I want to tell you there is hope. You can have a future, you can have a life and you can overcome it. Whatever it is, whether it's a short-term problem, whether it's a long-term problem. And I want to tell you how you can do that. 
And I want to do that in two ways. The first thing, listen, I've only got 30, 30 odd minutes this morning, so I can't tell you everything, much as I'd like to. There's a whole lot more I could tell you than I've got the time to say this morning. But what I want to do this morning is I want to focus firstly on a couple of things that you need to know first. A couple of things that you need to know. And then when we've looked at a couple of things that you need to know, I want to zoom in on a couple of things that you can do and how you can actually handle any problems or any anxieties or fears that you may be facing. So what is it that you need to know? Well, the first thing is if you're concerned about that statement, if you're concerned about the fact of that, hey, what, what, what does that mean that any anxiety, any fear, any depression can be overcome? I want to tell you, your concern is a good thing. It's not a bad thing to be concerned. <clears throat> one of the scriptures, one of the portions of scriptures that I really want to focus in on this morning, it was Paul and he was talking to a church. And the church he was talking to in Philippi, they were concerned about him. They were concerned about him and his health and his mental health. And he said that that was a good thing that they were concerned about him. It's not always a bad thing to be concerned. But the first thing I think we need to know when we're talking about health and mental health and, and being happy and being content and being positive, is the first thing, the most important thing is this. The value of your life, your contentment, your happiness, your, what's the opposite of depression? Enjoyment, peacefulness, contentment, I would suggest. The value of that is directly proportional, is completely and utterly related to the value of your communication, your language, how you talk, how you speak. Think about that for a moment. Now, we've probably all met depressive people who are negative and moaning and complaining all the time. And you might say, well, okay, so that's obvious. If you're moaning and complaining and grumbling all the time, you're going to be depressed. And that makes a lot of sense that if you're doing that and you're speaking like that, then yeah, I can see how that would, would affect you and that could make you down. And you'd be right. I would agree with you completely. But I think there's even a, a communication that is more important than that, that affects you far more than that, far more than how you speak to others and how you talk to others. In fact, what I would say is that this, this first one that I want to talk about actually affects how you speak to others and that is the value of your communication with who who do you think anyone want to guess God yeah I would suggest God I'm going to go on a different track and I'm going to go the value of your communication with yourself with yourself with yourself listen you can speak to God any way you want, I need to clarify that because I don't agree with being disrespectful to God. I think God's, God's my heavenly father. And anyone who's got parents that you love and you respect and you honor, you are careful how you speak to them. But there can be an honesty in that, can't there? There can be times when, when that communication can, can go into a bit of a gray area, but it's still respectful. I always think we need to stay on the right side of respectful when we're talking to God, but we can be honest with him. 
We can be honest with him. You've only got to read some of the Psalms and, and how David spoke to God and, and went to him with his depression and, and talked to God about how he was feeling. He was honest. He didn't put a spin on it and make himself look good or feel good. He was honest with God about how he felt and where he was at and, and his situation. But I want to talk about the value of your communication with yourself, how you talk about yourself. You see, a lot of people would say, anyone think that money can make you happy? No? Listen, you're shopping in the wrong places then. <laughs> no, it's all joking aside. Listen, money can make you happy, but money alone cannot make you happy. And money is not the be all and end all. Let me give you an example. Anyone know anyone with a lot of money and they're depressed? Yeah, anyone come across those people? You might have seen them on, on, on the news or in the press. You might even know some people who've got more money. They may not be rich. They may just have more money than you, but you know they're depressed. They're not happy. Their money isn't making them happy. I can think of a number of people like that. I don't want to mention them, but I can think of a number of people like that who've got far more money than me. And I, I would suggest they're nowhere near as happy than me, as, as I am because they've told me. So money doesn't make you happy. But equally, can anyone think of someone, anyone know someone or come across someone or heard of someone who's got far less than you, far, far less? You would say they've got nothing, yet they're happy. Yet they're happy. It's not money that makes you happy. In fact, I, I, I'm not even just talking about money here. Money's just a kind of an example. I'm talking about things I'm talking about any things. So you might say, well, okay, it's, it might not be about money, but what about intelligence? It's not about intelligence. I know plenty of clever people who are depressed, and I know pen, plenty of people who would say they're not clever, who are really happy and content. What about giftings? I know people who are good-looking, who are talented, who are great musicians, who aren't happy. I know people who don't have what, what most of us would say, any skills. You would say that they're really not good at anything. They're just, they're just an, an ordinary Joe. Yet yeah, they're, they're happy. They're at peace. They're far happier than I am. In fact, you may have looked at some of them people and you may have been jealous of them. You may have looked at them and thought at times, you know what, I'd give it all just to be as happy and as content as they are. It's not about what you've got. It's not about your possessions. It's not about your giftings. It's not about your talents. It's not about any of those things. None of those things can make you happy. It's something more than that. It's something deeper than that. It's when you realize, and Paul, Paul discovered it. He discovered it so well. In fact, have you got your Bibles with you? Turn to um, Philippians 4. I'm going to look from verse 11. In fact, before we, we could take them down for a minute, have we got them up yet? Leave, leave it, leave it from, don't put it up just yet. But for, in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, Paul says this. He makes a statement. He says, I have discovered the secret. I've discovered, he says, the secret of happiness, of contentment, of life, of everything. I've won the jackpot. I've won the lottery. I've found it. I've discovered the secret. The secret of contentment. Do you know what contentment is? Peaceful happiness, the Oxford Dictionary calls it. Peaceful happiness. Paul says, I've discovered it. I've realized what it is. What it is. Let me explain. 
what he says is this. He says, it's not about what I've got. It's not about how much I've got or how little I've got. It's about how I see what I've got. Think about it. Moses, what did he have? What did he have in his hand? A staff, a piece, a stick, a stick. That was all he had in his hand. Yet God used it to free millions of slaves. God used it for him to go to the king, the pharaoh, to challenge him and to cause him to change his mind. One staff, one staff in his hand was enough to change his world and the world of millions of others for the better. You see, it's not about what you've got. It's about how you see what you've got in your hands. It's about how you communicate with what you've got. Do you realize that what you've got is incredible? What you've got in the hands of God, who you are, is incredible. You can do all things. And that was the secret. That was what Paul said. He said, I've realized it doesn't matter whether I've got a lot. It doesn't matter whether I've got little. But I've discovered the secret that I can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anyone believe that? Anyone believe that? Come on, say it with me. I can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, say it again with me. I can do. All things through Christ who strengthens me. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And so, so true. It was the realisation, using that fact, that what I've got in my hands is incredibly powerful. And it's that, it's how I see what I've got. And how I use what I've got and realizing that actually the only obstacle that I face in my life, the only obstacle at all, is getting myself to take action. It's getting myself to do something, to deal with the situation. In fact, guys, could we have the house lights just up a, a fraction? Is that okay? Just so I can see people just a little bit better. So many things I could talk about, information. Second one I want to talk about, I'm only going to really touch on a couple of things to know and then I want to focus on what we do, how we use this information. Second one is, is this, it's procrastination. Anyone procrastinate? Anyone put things off? Anyone? anyone in fact, let's ask an easier question. Is there anyone in here who does not procrastinate? who does not put things off. Come on, we all do it, don't we? And here's the thing. Generally, why do you put things off? Why don't you deal with things? Why don't we do the things that we need to do? Why do we put them to the back? I'll tell you why. Because what we think is we think that doing the thing that we need to do is going to be more painful, more difficult, harder than putting it off. Putting it off's easier, isn't it? You just say, I'll do that tomorrow. That's easy. That's a word. You can just ignore it and not do anything with it. So what we do is we say, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put this thing off. I'm not going to deal with this thing. I'm going to ignore this thing. It's the procrastination 
that causes depression, one of the major causes of depression, because what happens is those things that you need to be dealing with, the things that you need to be doing, that you keep putting off and putting off and putting off, they're building up, they're building up in here. They're building up more and more and more. And so we think, oh, I can't face it. It becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So we put it off that little bit more and more and more. And it keeps chipping away. And it keeps getting to us in here. And it builds up and builds up until eventually it's so great that we can't deal with it. And suddenly we're depressed. Suddenly we're down. Suddenly it's all too big. It's all too great. We can't fix it. Third thing, last thing I'm just going to touch on. Probably the modern scourge of depression and anxiety and fear. And that is the belief, the modern day belief that's being pushed to us by companies who are trying to sell you things that you don't need, is that it's all about you. It's all about you. So what happens? We focus on ourselves. We focus on our own problems. We focus on where we're at and what we're doing and how we're not doing. And it builds up and it builds up and we become more and more internally focused, looking at all of our problems. But God said, no, that's not the case. Now listen, I'm not preaching some Marxist philosophy that it's all about the state and others and it's not about you. Listen, God wants you happy. God wants you to be happy. Jesus said he came to give you life, life in its fullness, abundant life, a great life, a wonderful life, a life of purpose, a life of joy, a life of happiness. Joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We should be happy and joyful and, 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 and happy. Now, does that mean there's not going to be occasions in our lives when we're depressed? Absolutely. 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 I had a bereavement a few months ago, um, two months back maybe now, and, and it was a bereavement. It was a bereavement, and I was down about it. I was, I was mourning about it. It wasn't something that could be fixed. Plenty of people wanted to do things and help me, but I, I, was, I was almost content with it. I might sound like a bizarre thing. I was sad. I was depressed. Not depressed. Depressed isn't the right word. I was mourning. But that wasn't a problem that needed to be solved or fixed. In fact, I, I knew at the time, I, I knew that if I wasn't, if I wasn't mourning, then that was wrong. That wasn't right. That wasn't healthy. That actually meant that this didn't mean anything to me. Imagine having someone you loved who died and you, you weren't even bothered. Does anyone want to be in that position? That's not the goal, is it? procrastination, the pain of taking action. It's when the pain of taking action is greater, is greater than the, 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 the pain of not taking action. But here's the thing, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. So what do we do? Time's marching on. What do we do? How do we deal with this? Four. I'm going to give you four points that are going to help you to deal with and to be mentally strong and mentally healthy. First one is this, clarity. Has anyone got pens and notebooks with you, anything? Listen, you're going to want to write this stuff down. You're going to want to make a note of this. You want to, you're going to want to do that. I learned years ago that, that and everywhere I go, I have a system in place with gadgets and you name it and all different kinds of stuff. Yeah, if you haven't got a notebook and you want to take notes, put your hand up. Jeff's going to hand out some paper for you. 
I learned years ago, everywhere I go, I have a system in place where I can take notes. Yeah, there's one in the middle there, Jeff. Take notes. Keep a diary. Keep a journal. When you go to church, make notes. So important because you forget this stuff. This sounds great. I need notes to get up here and preach and I wrote this stuff. First one is clarity. Number one, clarity. What do you want? Said it so many times. The Bible says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let that, that man not expect to receive anything from God. If you're double-minded about what you want, if you're in two minds about what you want, don't expect to receive it. Don't expect to get it. The number one thing you need if you want to be happy is you need clarity. You need to know what your purpose is in life, what it is that you want to do in life. And you need to start, start taking action to make it happen. You need to be certain, certain on what it is that you want. Now you might say to me, yeah, well, Barry, I don't know how to be certain. Well, you start heading in a direction. You ask God. Speak to him. Ask him to show you. Pray fervently. Keep praying until you get an answer from him. He's able to do that, you know. Anyone done that and had an answer from him? Anyone? Yeah, come on. Not just me. Are you unhappy? Is your goal you want to be happy? Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you want to be happy, if you're depressed, you're down, you're suffering with anxiety, fear, depression, or something else that's not been labelled this morning, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy and wanting to change that. That is perfectly okay. What's not okay, what's not okay is to want to be happy at the expense of others. That's not okay, is it? So, well, my happiness, I'm going to make other people suffer, so I get my happiness. That's not okay, is it? Clearly, that's not right. No one's speaking about that or saying that's correct. The other thing that's not right, that's not happy, or sorry, that's, that I would say is wrong, is only wanting your own happiness. Only wanting your own happiness. You know what? If you want to be happy, that's great. Make that your goal. But make your goal that not only you will be happy, but those around you will be happy. That you, your life, your happiness, you will use it to make others happy. I promise you, just that alone, just that alone is a cure for anxiety and fear and depression. Come on. It's so good. It's so, so good. Second thing. So the first thing is clarity. Get clarity. Keep working on clarity. Make sure you are completely and utterly clear on what it is you want to do with your life, what it is that you want, so you can pray about it well, so you can make actions and do things to make that thing or to get that thing that you want be completely and utterly crystal clear. And, and as, the, as you get clearer and clearer and clearer, work to get even more clear. Work to be so specific on what it is that you want. Put a number on it. Put a time on it. Put a date on it. You name it, whatever. But know what it is that you want. When you know what you want, then didn't Paul say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You can get it, can't you? You can get it. You can do it. You can do it. Find a way. You will find a way. Second one is to take action. Number two, take action. 
This is the, the, the big one, really. This is the big, big one. You've got to take action. You see, your power, your ability, your strength is as strong as your ability to get yourself to take action. So think about it for a moment. Think about some of those things that you've been procrastinating over. You might say to me, well, it seems like a massive thing that I can't deal with. I would say to you, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You just need to get yourself to take action. You just need to get yourself to take action, to face up to it and to deal with it. There is no problem in this world, in this life, too great that you cannot deal with with God. Not a single one. You can do it. You can do it. I don't care what it is. I don't care whether it's sickness. I don't care whether it's a relationship problem, a financial problem, an education problem. I don't care what it is. You name it, you can fix it. You can do it with God, with his help. He is the one who gives us the strength. He is the one who gives us the power that enabled Paul to be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Come on. You've got to get yourself to take action. Take action. Now, what kind of action should you take? I'm going to give you a couple of examples. First one is this. Sit up straight. Get up. Seriously, get up. You're at home. You start feeling down. You get up in the morning. Anyone done this? You get up in the morning. A thought comes to your mind and you start. It might be something you've got to do at work or a, a meeting you've got to have or who knows what it is. And suddenly it faces and you're feeling down. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling depressed. What happens? What happens in that moment? What do you do in that moment? What happens? I'll tell you what happens. Your face goes down. You get all gloomy. You go downstairs. You maybe kick the cat. You shout at the kids and you do whatever and you go and make a cup of coffee and, and you go out and you're all down and depressed and, and you tell your wife how bad it is and you tell your husband how bad it is and you go into work and you tell your mates just how terrible this situation is, you're making yourself depressed. Pick yourself up, put a smile on your face, shout, cheer, rejoice, get up, put your hands in the air and cheer. This stuff works. This stuff works. It's all the way through the Bible. Saints of old did it over and over again. They raised their hands, the Bible says. They lifted their hands in praise and awe to God and it made them feel better. Because God has put it in here. Modern day psychologists have discovered it. They're onto this. They're telling people to do this stuff. It was written in the Bible four, five, six, seven, eight thousand years ago. Solomon did it at the temple. David did it. The saints of old did it. The Jericho, the, the walls of Jericho, what did they do when they marched around this huge battle, this huge problem that they had to face? The walls were 20 foot high or something like that. This was massive. These people in Jericho had been described as giants. What did they do? They marched, they got up, they did something, they motivated themselves, they marched around knowing that God was with them. And on the final lap around, what did they do? They cheered, they shouted, they rejoiced and the walls came down. Am I preaching to myself in here? Come on. Come on, guys. You've got to pick yourself up. You've got to stand. You've got to cheer. You've got to walk. You've got to shout. Do you know what it says that, um, in Zerubbabel? 
It says, Zerubbabel was told, go out and shout grace at it. Go and shout grace at it. Has anyone done that? I did it once. There was a situation I was facing. It was so bad. I went off. I had to, I had to go somewhere out the way. I wasn't bold enough to go and do this where anyone might see me. I found some woods somewhere. There was no one around. I went right into the middle of them woods and I named my problem. I saw it there, right there. And I screamed and shouted at it. If anyone had seen me, they would have thought I was mad. They would have thought I was absolutely nuts. But guess what? It worked. It absolutely worked. I shouted grace at it and the problem was gone. It was gone. Whatever your problem, get up, take action, exercise. Go for a run. Come on, go to the gym, go and do a workout. Come on. Hey, there's someone who works in the gym. See, see, Pauline, after the meeting, she'll sort you out with a subscription. Other gyms are available. <laughs> listen, all of these things, you might, you might laugh and, you know, and, and all that, and that's great. And listen, they work for, for the small, the little things, the problems you've got, and the bigger things. But the, sometimes you need just an extra little bit to add on top. And that is not just taking action, but sometimes you've got to take massive action. Massive action. We've, got, we've had a situation going on that, that's been affecting us recently and we've had to take massive action. Huge action. We knew we had to do it. We've had to let go of something that had such meaning to us, such value to us, but we knew we've had to go. That's got to go now. And do you know what we did? Do you know what I did? I was probably getting bolder. I walked outside and I shouted at the top of my voice, next, next. You let go of something, guess what? God brings along the next thing for you. The top of my voice, I shouted, next. What is the next thing you've got for me, God? What is the next challenge you've got? What is the next thing, the thing that's going to replace that? Because you know what? If you're wanting something different, sometimes you've got to let hold of what you've got. Sometimes your hands are so full with so much stuff, God can't give you what you need because you're so weighed down with all the stuff you've got hold of, all the baggage. Sometimes you've just got to let go of something. Take massive, massive action. Ready for number three? <laughs> number three. Hey, let me get, just get back in. I've gone well out of my notes. Yeah, I thought, do you know what? I thought that was in. You know, you know, when we talked about procrastination earlier on. Anyone drive? Anyone got a car? Yeah? Now, now I know you're just being quiet because I know loads of you got cars. Anyone got a car? Yeah, okay. Anyone seen that little light? You know when you turn the ignition on and, and it looks like Blackpool Illuminations and all them lights start flashing and lighting up? Anyone seen the little red one and it looks like a picture of an engine? I don't know the one I'm on about. It's called the engine management warning light, okay? If you've got a really old car, you might not have one of them, but you'll know what I'm on about. That light, okay, you could be driving along. See, some of you, when you're procrastinating, what you're doing is it's like driving along in your car and the engine management light comes on. And you see it and you think, oh, that means trouble. That's going to be costly. I can't, oh, I don't know what to do about that. So you start ignoring it, pretending it's not there. 
but it keeps coming back at you. So some of you, you go in, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to see if I can pull the bulb out. I don't, I don't know how to get to it. It's flipping out. The dash is so good. So you get a bit of tape and you stick it over it. But then you're driving along and you keep seeing this bit of tape and you know it's covering it up. So some of you go into the mechanic and you're saying, hey, Mr. Mechanic, instead of fixing the problem, will you go and just open the dash up for me and take that bulb out, will you? It's doing my head in. I keep looking at it. It keeps telling me there's a problem and I don't want to see it. I want to just ignore it. I want to pretend it's not there. Do you know what that results in? Disaster. Disaster. Results in disaster. Results in disaster. Some of you go into your mechanics, the doctor. You're saying, hey, can you fix my problem? Can you give me something, something that I can take that's just going to fix my problem? Just so it, the warning light goes off. Do you know what the warning light is? The warning light in us is stress. And some of you think stress is a problem. Stress is a natural human reaction. It's meant to be there. Do you realize without stress, you wouldn't wake up in the morning? Do you realize there's a system in your body that in the morning, your body, stress is created through your body that causes you to wake up? Do you realize that? Without stress, you wouldn't even get up in the morning. Stress is a normal, natural human thing. It's like the engine warning light on the dash. Stress is there to motivate you to do what? To take action. The problem is when we ignore the stress, when we ignore the warning lights and we say the warning light's the problem, not the flipping engine that's broke inside or the, the bit that's hanging off the engine. Oh no, it's the light that's the problem. It's the stress that's the problem. The stress isn't the problem. The fact that you're not responding to the stress is the problem. The fact that you're not asking yourself and saying, hey, what is it? What is it that God's trying to tell me I need to do? What is it that I need to change? What is it that I need to fix? I need to face up to this and do something. So many, so many of our problems are caused by ignoring our body's natural engine management light. Third thing, get through these quickly now. So the first one, clarity. Get clarity on what you want or you'll never get it because you don't know what you want. Second one is to take action. If it's a, a morning depression that it's you, get up, do something, go for a run, cheer, shout, do, put some music on, get yourself feeling good, put your game face on. Change your body language. Cheer yourself up, put a smile on your face. Do you know it's impossible to be depressed with a smile on your face? That's actually true. They've done experiments on it. Get a pencil, stick it in your mouth. It, it makes, seriously, it's true. Honestly, studies are done on this. When you put a pencil in your mouth, all right, it actually makes a smile, artificially, obviously. But then what they've done is they've done that with people and they've discovered that actually it's really difficult for people to be depressed with a pencil in the mouth. You see, people think that actually what it is is my feelings affect my body language. What they don't realize is it's a two-way street. It's not just that your feelings affect your body language. So when you get depressed, your body language comes down. But it works the other way around as well. If you change your body language, your feelings go up. If you change your body language down, your feelings go down. It's a two-way street. Third one. Third one is this. Actively caught feedback. 
get feedback. The greatest sportsman of all, Eli, would be able to tell you this. They know what success feels like. Eli's a runner. I wasn't going to use him as an example, but you're there, mate. I'm going to use you. He knows when he's sprinting and doing it, it's 100 meters you're doing it. Yeah. When he's doing 100 meters and he's doing a good one, you know what that feels like, don't you? You don't need to wait for the, for the time, the, the clock. That tells you, all that does is confirm what you already knew. Am I right? You know what a bad 100 meters feels like. You know when you've, your stride hasn't been right or your arm movements weren't right or you just you got off to a bad start. You know what that feels like, don't you? Why? Because as a sportsman, you actively caught feedback. You've learned to, to, to feel and to know what it feels like. Know that from your body. Get to know your body's signs and signals. Your body, God has given you your body to help you. To help you. When it's causing you stress, it's helping you. It's giving you a message from God. Here we go. Oh, oh, quick, stick a plaster over that. Cover that one up. That's the problem. No, it's not. No, it's not. Get feedback from others. Not just from yourself. Bible says, in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. Godly people that you know, get feedback from them to tell you how you're doing. Don't just take action, but get feedback on the action you've taken. And the fourth one follows from it, and it is simply this. When you're taking action, and your action isn't working, change it. Change it. Do something else. When these guys are practicing the songs and it's just not coming together and, and they try it and try it and try it and in the end they go, this ain't going to work. What do you think they do? Keep on going? No, they change it. They pick a different song or they change the key. When they can't reach the note and they've tried and tried and tried, they go, it's the key. We've got to change the key. We've got to bring it down a bit so we can reach that note. It's feedback. It's feedback. Change your action. Listen, if you've got, I want you to get your mobile phones out, your tablets, your pens, your paper. If you've not got it, you're going to need it for this bit. So, Jeff, would you mind? If anyone needs pen, paper, put your hand up now. You're going to need it for this bit. I want you to do something now. So the, the band are playing. I want you to, to, to write something down. I want you to think about the things in your life, in your world, that you've been procrastinating on. The thing that's been causing you stress and anxiety. The thing that you've been fearing and dreading. The thing that you've been putting off. That mountain, that huge thing. And then I want you to think about the next one. And then I want you to think about the next one. I want you to write them down. Three of them. If you've got more, write them down. But three things in your world. Maybe it's sorting your health out. Maybe it's going to the gym. Maybe you've got to see the doctor about something. Maybe it's you've got to do something in work. Maybe it's someone you've got to speak to. Maybe it's a job you've got to go for. I don't know what it is. What is it? What is it in your world? What are the three things? It's a good number to start with. In your world that you're not dealing with. That you're putting off. The three things that you're not doing. What are they? Take a moment, think about them now and write them down.
God to show you. Ask him to bring that thing to the forefront of your mind. When you've done that, the next thing I want you to do, I want you to, you've got to be honest for this, you know. You've got to be really, really honest. I want you to write down the pleasure that you've been getting from avoiding. The pleasure that you've been getting from avoiding doing it. Sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes we go, hey, I've just been able to be lazy by not dealing with it. Sometimes it's, I'm avoiding fear and that's giving me pleasure. Sometimes it's, hey, I'm just overeating and I'm enjoying that when I know I need to deal with that problem and sort it out. Sometimes it's the things we're watching and, and we're doing that and we're saying, hey, I'm getting pleasure from watching this stuff and I know it's wrong. Maybe it's people you've been mixing with. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's someone you know that's really bad for you. Yet you know actually, by the same token, they're making you happy. But long term, it's making you depressed. You see, if we're procrastinating on, procrastinating on something, then you're getting a pleasure from it. Don't lie to yourself. You're getting a pleasure from not doing that. It's allowing you to do something else instead. What is it? What is it? And then finally, just as we close the meeting, I want you to write down finally this. And you might need to add to this later. What is the pain? What is the cost of your procrastination? What's it costing you? What's it costing your loved ones? What's it costing your friends? What's it costing your family? What are your actions costing you? What's it costing you financially? In your career? In your spiritual life? What is the cost? See, all of this is to motivate you to take action. To deal with it. Because when we realise that actually the cost of not doing it is greater than the pleasure we're getting, suddenly we realise that you have the power. God's given you the power. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Feeling motivated? Anyone determined to take action? Go away and do it. I promise you, you'll feel better.